Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Channel 7 Sports Director Matt Bovey here, along with Bills beat reporter and sideline reporter Sal Capaccio with WGR 550. We've been talking all about the different positions on the Bills leading up to training camp, leading up to the regular season. And now we finally switch over to the defensive side of things. We didn't forget about the defense. We're going to give them their love. And today we're going to talk about both the defensive tackles and the defensive ends, the edge rushers. So Sal, how you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. You know, I'm looking at this group and if, as people know, I always keep a running, you know, roster on the top of my Twitter page. What I used to do, and it's not like this anymore because I've already transitioned, I would color code the new additions and it's all, it's all the same color now. But when I did that, Matt, something that really stuck out to me they have really overhauled the D-line this year. Like, it's the most overhauled position group, if you will. Whether that's defensive tackles or defensive ends, you could put them in the same boat. And we're talking quality and quantity because, of course, Von Miller comes in. That's the big fish in free agency. But we're talking about a lot of new additions at this position group, which I think is super intriguing this year for this team. Yeah, because so many of the guys that we've gotten used to these last couple of years or these last dec- the last decade, for that matter, are now gone. We're talking about Jerry Hughes. He's not here. Harrison Phillips. He's not here. Mario Addison. He's no longer here. Vernon, but like the list goes on and on of the players who have been here for the last couple of years were part of this team that ultimately got to the AFC championship that got to the AFC divisional round this last year, this year, they didn't think that area was good enough. So they made a lot of different changes. This is the biggest overhaul on the roster is on the defensive line. And I think that speaks volumes to they're not satisfied. And this has been something they've been working on for a while. They've been overhauling the defensive line for a couple of years now, and they're continuing to try and make it better. And up to this point, we haven't seen them take that next step. I mean, I think we probably, I don't want to speak for you. I think if the Bills would have had a slightly above average defensive line these last couple of years, maybe we're talking about a team that won the Super Bowl. But 
I think they were pretty average, maybe even below average. I know the sack numbers don't tell the entire story. It's about so much more than that. But I just feel like in the biggest moments, they didn't get to the quarterback. And that's ultimately why they went out and got Von Miller and they made the other changes that they did. Yeah. And look, when you look at like how they've actually performed pass rush wise, the Bills weren't that bad last year. If you take a look at like getting to the quarterback per pass attempt, let me just pull this up right now. I have it in front of me. The Bills last year, sacks per pass attempt, they were sixth in the league, 7.92%. They weren't that bad. But Matt, the issue has been they have not had that one premier guy who other teams have to game plan for. And that's been what they've been after. Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, obviously in the interior at Oliver. So they go out and they get Von Miller. So let's start there, shall we, with the defensive ends and that premier guy. I mean, okay, like you, you've done everything you can, so might as well pay $20 million for one of the greatest who ever did it per year. He's going to walk into the Hall of Fame, Von Miller. That is obviously the most significant addition to this entire roster is Von Miller. But I think it's a re- really big ripple effect because – not only do you have Von Miller now, you don't have Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison. Now you move Greg Rousseau, though, down to your kind of your number two guy, if you will, where last year, maybe he was even at times considered your number one guy, even though he had Jerry Hughes on the roster. This could really impact Greg Rousseau having Von Miller on the other side of him. I'm excited what he can do. Yeah, because I think it's kind of twofold. Not only does Greg Rousseau get to learn from Von Miller, and I think that's a very valuable piece to this, but he also gets to go against probably the opposing team's less premier player. Usually it'll be against, you know, somebody who they think can handle Greg Russo and that's going to give him some favorable matchups. Von Miller is somebody that teams need to pl- like plan against. They need to mm-hmm. try and prepare for him. And now that should give Greg Russo some chances to make some big plays, some splash plays. And the word that's gotten thrown around with him these last couple months when we've been back at mini camp and back at OTAs and stuff is kind of that rookie wall. And we were yeah. talking about whether or not he hit that last year. And it's kind of hard to ignore the fact that it seems like he did. You know, the, at the start of the year, there were some flashes. There were some really nice plays. He had a great game against Miami, he had a really nice game against Kansas City. He had the interception in that game. And then after that, it was just kind of a whole lot of meh. And that's not to say that he's not going to take a big step. Also, keep in mind, everybody, Greg Rousseau last year was coming off at an entire season without football because he opted out of the year at Miami because of COVID concerns. His mom was working in a hospital. He didn't want to put any anybody in his family at risk. So he sat out. So last year was not just a rookie year in the NFL, but it was also like his first year back to football. So I think we're going to see a more complete version of Greg Rousseau. And I think that's just going to be, I guess, even elevated further because he's also going to be lining up again or alongside Von Miller. Yeah. And it wasn't just all that, which is your, you rightfully point out as Sean McDermott has called it the banquet circuit for the rookies, right? I mean, they're coming off, not knowing where they're going to be living, going through all the workouts, going to all these teams. They don't really get into their city with their team until April after the draft until May really. And then rookie minicamp. Now he has an entire off season with the bills trainers in the program. And I, I know that I felt he looked a bit different when we were out at mandatory minicamp, he looked thicker. And to say that Greg Rousseau got bigger is a pretty scary proposition, I think. Yeah, because he's already so big. So yeah. it's like the com- it's the combination of the height and then you add on the muscle and the strength mm-hmm. that he looks like he did in the offseason. It looks like he could truly be a mismatch for opposing teams. And that's one of the things that's kind of cool about it, too, is that they have very different body types and they have different styles. And I think that'll give them success at different times. And that'll ultimately help the Bills because Von Miller can be on his side doing one thing, trying to beat people with speed 
speed, trying to hit the edge, get around the left tackle, the right tackle, whatever it is. And Greg Rousseau at times looks like he's going to be over, able to just bull rush somebody and overpower them. So I think it's kind of like your nice, like lightning and fire, fire and ice, whatever you really want to call it, like <laughs> thunder and lightning, whatever. Thunder, right? <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want to call it. Like, I think that that's kind of like a nice combination of skill sets to have. And I think that also now the rotation, even though they lose Jerry, like Jerry was very, very, like he was a solid player for them last year. Mario Addison, a little bit more hit or miss. But I think with those guys gone, they are going to get more reps. Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, AJ Vanessa. And I think that will also lead to more production because they're going to be able to get into a little bit more of a groove. The Bills are always going to be a very rotation heavy defensive line. That's just the way. She- John McDermott and Leslie Frazier like to do things. But I think that also says like when you're not on the field very much, it's hard to get into a rhythm when you're only going out once or twice of possession. Like it's a little tough to be your best version of yourself when you're sitting on the sidelines so much. So now with those two veteran guys gone, I think it's going to be a little bit of like trial by fire for some of the young guys. It's going to be pretty much Von Miller and then everybody else. Yeah, by the way, since we're in Buffalo, I guess we can call them wind and snow or something like that. That'd be <laughs> that. We call them uh, the, the dynamic duo there. So I think, you know, there's a long-term, you know, contract, how long he'll play with Von Miller. That's not what we're here about. That is a discussion. But I do think the one question we have to answer about Von Miller before we move on to some of these other guys, do you think they continue that heavy rotation? Because this is a guy that if you're going to pay him that much, Matt, you can't pay, play him 55% of the snaps, which is what Bill's, you know, top-end defensive linemen normally play. Um, I think that you're going to have to play him more and maybe – more as the season goes on. I don't know. This is going to be an interesting one because even Leslie Frazier recognized and said to us, that's something they talked about, how that fits into their structure and scheme, given how much they're going to pay him and what he is and what they need from him. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think it's more than we're used to to seeing Bill's edge rushers play, but probably less than what Von Miller is used to playing. It's probably somewhere in the middle. So yeah, he's going to be their most dangerous player at least rushing the passer next year. So he's going to be on the field a lot. When it's third down, he's going to be on the field. He'll probably be on the field every first down too. There's going to be some combination of a rotation. I just don't think it's going to be quite to the level that it was when it was Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison and those guys of the last three years. All right. So we know that Von Miller and Greg Rousseau are probably like they're one, two, you know, they're going to be the starters. Boogie Basham is is on this team. He was drafted last year. Now, he was inactive a little bit. They're not moving on from Boogie Basham, even if he has a poor training camp. I couldn't see something like that. Anything could happen. But I think squarely into that, okay, where do these guys fall, are A.J. Epinesa and Shaq Lawson, right? This is the third year for A.J. Epinesa. He has not developed into what they thought. It looked like he was going to early on that monster game he had against the Miami Dolphins last year. We know they love Shaq Lawson. They went out and got him and brought him back in and talked highly about him. He was here. He, it didn't work out when he was his rookie contract was up. To me, Matt, you may be looking at one spot for these two guys, whoever winds up getting it on the defensive end. Yeah, this is a weird one, Sal, because Shaq Lawson is so beloved by Bills fans, even though, and I don't want to discredit his time in Buffalo, there was one really good year, and I think that's probably top of mind for a lot of people. That was 2019. He had six and a half sacks. The first couple of years up to that point, he wasn't great. There was a reason he didn't get the fifth-year option from the Bills. And then you also look at A.J. Epinesa, 
And he hasn't also lived up to the expectations that came with him when he was drafted a couple of years ago. Keep in mind, that was the year the Bills traded for Stefan Diggs. So they didn't have a first round pick. So AJ Epinesa was the first pick of that draft class. It was in the second round, but he kind of had this added pressure that went along with it because he was the Bills top selection in that draft class. So I tend to agree that I think those guys are going to be battling. I do think that AJ Epinesa would really have to disappoint this summer to not make the team just because of the resources they spent on him. But I would agree that I think of Boogie, AJ, and Shaq of those three, I think Boogie probably has the safest chance of making the roster. And I will say it's early. And I know some people roll their eyes when we talk about like, oh, this guy looked really good at minicamp, but Boogie Basham stood out. I don't know if it was just because he was wearing number 55 and that was different, or if it also had to do with him just looking like a completely different person. So I think it was probably a little bit. Well, listen, on that note, I got an email from a listener asking me, when Jerry Hughes resigned with the club because he saw him in one of the videos from camp. And I said, no, that's Boogie Basham. He's wearing 55. And that's because he kind of looked like Jerry in a way with his body type, which is totally different than what it was obviously last year. So yeah, I think that's probably what we're looking at with this particular group. Now look, you do have Mike Love still on the team. He's been around a while. Mike Love just, I, I love Mike Love. He's just a great personality. They love him in the locker room. He's a break glass in case of emergency guy. He can play. He can play in the NFL. He's not a guy you're going to rely on from a down-to-down basis, but that's a, that's a good practice squad guy to have in the building, and he can spell you. I guess the question would be here, you know, could they wind up even keeping five defensive ends? I think traditionally they like to keep four and four, and then they have a couple of guys ready to go on the ready to maybe elevate from the practice squad. You're probably looking at eight, but maybe nine even last year. I have to go back and look. I don't know if that extra guy would come from the D tackle room or the D end room if they want to go nine. But if you're looking at the extra guy, it's still going to come from most likely Basham, Epinesa, and Lawson. But Mike Love, he can play. I'm not, I just want to throw some love out there for him because Matt, I think that he's been a part of this organization for a few years and they believe that he can help the other guys get better at practice and on a daily routine. I think if they ultimately keep an extra guy on the defensive line, Basham helps them because there is some position versatility there. And when he was drafted, there was talk of like, okay, this guy can play inside a little bit. He is going to primarily be used outside. Now he does have a different body type now than he did when he was drafted. So I don't know how much he could do on the interior, but I think even, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because it's the next thing we're going to talk about. But when you look at the roster, it feels like there's a bigger drop off at the defensive tackle spot than there is at the defensive end spot. So that's why I think if they're going to keep nine guys, that extra person would probably come from the defensive end side, especially because they have so much inexperience there. They have so many young guys that they're going to need to count on there. I think they would probably like to have one extra person around especially if that extra person is Shaq Lawson, just because he knows the defense, he knows the system, and he has proven that he can produce at the NFL level. Just to put a wrap on who they have on the roster, Kingsley Jonathan from Syracuse University, an undrafted free agent, and Daniel Joseph. Thank you so much. I had a few listeners. This is how good Bills fans are, Matt, and how observant they are. I got a tweet weeks ago from two different Bills fans who said, hey, I saw Daniel Joseph on the field. I'm like, what are you, who are, what are you, this is a rookie that they brought in for rookie camp. And they said, he's wearing number 96. In one of the videos from the reporters, I think it was John Scott, our friend from Spectrum News, they said, I saw him running around out there, and he actually posted he was signing with the Bills, but how come he's not on the roster? It made me go look into it. 
And here's the deal. He actually is on the roster. There was a holdup with his contract language when he signed from rookie rookie minicamp, but he is actually officially a Buffalo Bill on the defensive end. So good job, Bills fans, to be observant. Daniel Joseph rounds out the defensive ends. Let's talk defensive tackles. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Matt, from the free agent week when they signed Von Miller and they signed O.J. Howard and Daquan Jones and Tim Settle, what stands out to you when we heard guys at the podium? What stands out to you from guys who went up there and went, they, you know, talking about being a Buffalo Bill? Tim Settle screaming, <laughs> letting course. out a massive woo, his Ric Flair woo. I'm not yeah. going to do it any louder than that. But what a ball of energy. This yeah, guy has been. And it already seemed like from that moment on, people were like, okay, like we like this. When they signed Tim Settle, a bunch of fans of Washington were like, hey, that's a really sneaky good addition. He would have played a lot more, but our defensive line is so good that he was pushed into more of a secondary role. Yeah. So he wasn't utilized the way that we were hoping he would be utilized. And the first name that came up, and it's a completely different player, completely different play style, but I remember Seahawks fans saying the same thing about what was that what quentin what was it what was his name why am i blanking two years ago um yeah yeah um quentin jefferson quentin jefferson thank you yes Quentin jefferson yes so people were like oh that guy's gonna make such an impact he ultimately didn't live up to maybe the expectations that he had but he was still a solid rotational player i think tim settle is going to come into this team and get a bigger opportunity than he got in washington and from what we've seen early on, it seems like the fans are going to have his back as long as he's not playing bad football. So I've got pretty decent expectations for him. But at the same time, the best defensive tackle in that locker room is at Oliver. And that guy can just completely change a game and flip yep. a team's game plan upside down. So I think we were talking about watching Greg Rousseau get to play with Von Miller. I think what I'm most excited about is watching Ed Oliver get to play with Von Miller because Von Miller is going to take up a bunch of attention and Ed Oliver should be able to just go. Ed Oliver, the Bills picked up his fifth year option in the offseason. That will be in 2023. So he's under contract for two more years. He's in that, that group that we always talk about at Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, Dawson Knox, Jordan Poyer, guys who, you know, there's some decisions coming up, but one thing we know about at Oliver, he played fantastic football, especially down the stretch last year. And I agree with you. He can be a game changer. No more star Latula next to him. 
He's out, obviously. Now you have guys like not only Tim Settle, who we just talked about, and I think you rightfully point out, is a guy who's going to get a chance like he didn't get in Washington, and that's what's going to be maybe the difference of seeing his production. But Daquan Jones as well. Daquan Jones, the guy I think the Bills believe can come in here and make an immediate impact. You want to talk about rotation? This is where you're going to see the rotation, Matt. It's going to be from the Ed out. Now, Ed will probably get you know maybe the majority of snaps. Tim Settle, Daquan Jones, and I would say even Jordan Phillips. To me, there's pretty much a clear line of the top four right now. Oliver Settle, Jones, and I'd say Jordan Phillips. As much as I like Elianku and Brandon Bryant and what they did last year, to me, Jordan Phillips comes in here, and he becomes another penetrating defensive tackle. Nine and a half sacks a couple years ago. I asked him, hey, the last few years, you've been getting after the quarterback a little bit. Your first few years, that wasn't the case. Jordan Phillips doesn't smile a lot. He's a great guy. He just looked at me very serious and said, they didn't ask me to do that. But now he's being asked to do that, and he's getting after the quarterback, and I think that's a big difference on what they want. And that was going back to what I said in the last segment, how I feel like there's a bigger drop-off in the defensive tackle room than I do with the defensive ends, because I think the top five there are a little bit more blurred. And here, like you said, the drop-off is after Jordan Phillips. So I do think Jordan Phillips is going to bring a spark to this team. I think he's going to bring a little bit of an edge to the defense because that's what he did the last time. Like he was good at getting under people's skin. And he also seemed to have some nice chemistry with Ed Oliver as the season went along because Ed Oliver, his rookie year started, or excuse me, his second year started kind of slow and then really hit, took off. Was, was that Oliver's rookie year 2019? Yes. Okay. So 2019. So that would have been his rookie year. So I remember that the coming out party for Ed Oliver was the Cowboys game on yes. Thanksgiving. He had that's a right. huge game that day. And then really for the rest of the season, he was pretty solid. So I do think that that's going to be the way that it ultimately falls with those four guys being on this roster. I wouldn't count out one of the other guys you mentioned, but at the same time, there's only so many players that they can keep. And I would be really surprised if they kept more than nine defensive linemen. Maybe they Great. keep 10, maybe they keep 10, but if they keep 10 defensive linemen, then they're probably only keeping like six wide receivers or maybe less corners than we think. I, I don't exactly know how they'll go, but um, yeah, I, I think it's as a group, I think I like the combination of people they have. I'm just curious to see how they all blend together as a unit. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's part of the way the Bills build their team, right? They always think about the chemistry. They always think about the locker room. They always think about the on the field, the off the field. Ed Oliver, I think, is in for a jump. There's no doubt. Tim Settle, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, we talked about. But Matt, I think a couple of guys who really fit in towards the end of the year last year, Elianku and Brandon Bryant, these guys, they had to play and they relied on them. I would not rule out Elianku or Brandon Bryant, especially Ely, I think, making this team even over a Jordan Phillips if they feel, you know what, we're going to get more from them or they want to keep that fifth defensive um, defensive tackle because both of these guys played really, really well. Now, the upside is if you don't keep them, I don't think teams are banging down the door to get them. You could put them on the practice squad, but I think these are two guys... Remember they had to play. Remember that New Orleans game? The Bills were really down defensive linemen. That Jets game, these guys stepped in and they played well when it mattered. And no disrespect to Bryant, but Ilianku, like people have raved about, yes. at least to me when I've had conversations off to the side or just talked to different people in that locker room. And it seems like he's always somebody that gets brought up and people are like, hey, that guy doesn't get talked about enough. I think that he has still an outside chance at making the team just because there was so much turnover at the defensive line. And I almost feel like some of that turnover is because they didn't want these guys to be getting as big of a role as they had to get last year. 
But that's not to say that that's the, absolutely the case. Maybe they just want more bodies there and they think that Ilianku can come in and can win a job. Or maybe they're like, yeah, we're definitely keeping five defensive tackles and we'll figure out what we do at the defensive end. So I would say of the two of them, I think he's probably the more likely player to make the 53-man roster. But I still don't know if I would go to the point where I'm like, I think he will make the 53-man roster. All right. They do have Prince Ami- uh I want, to, I want to say his name right. Amili? Emil, right? I want to... Uh, Amili, I think is how you say his name. Um, he is an undrafted free agent. So is CJ Brewer. I don't think these guys are going to be in the mix to make the team, but we have to bring them up because it's the state of the Bills here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo with Sal Capaccio and Matt Bove. So what are we looking at overall with this group? Um, we think in eight, nine, how many are going to keep total? Defensive ends, defensive tackles. I think nine is probably where I'll land. I think the question is going to be, does the fifth come from the end or does it come from the interior? I think I'll say nine as well. And I still think that I'll say the ninth comes from defensive end. So that would, so that would give us, I'll go down the list here. Okay. Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, Shaq Lawson. I think Von, Greg and Boogie, they're all locks. Mm -hmm. I think AJ Epinesa, has a really good shot at making the team. And I think Shaq Lawson probably has a little bit better than 50% of a shot to make the team. And then a defensive tackle at Oliver. That's a no brainer. Tim settle. That's a no brainer. Daquan Jones. I don't necessarily want to say that's a no brainer, but like with the contract that he got, he's going to make the team. And then I would go with Jordan Phillips. And then that's when I think the cutoff is. So that's nine guys. That's how I think the defensive line is going to look Somebody could surprise us. Maybe somebody has a great summer and somebody gets hurt or there's something that weird happens. But I think of like the nine guys I mentioned, there's like six absolutely definite. No way that guy doesn't make the team. And then there's like three. Yeah, they're going to probably make the team, but we'll see what happens. This group with the overhaul. Who's out? Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, Star Latulale, Harrison Phillips. We didn't talk about him, by the way. Harrison Phillips, that's a loss for this team as well. He actually was outpacing everybody in snaps by the end of the year. (laughs) Excuse me, became a starter when, especially uh, filling in when Star wasn't out. Overall, that group losing them and then bringing in the players they brought in, you feel this group is better this year than they were last year, even though they lost some pretty good talent? I think (sighs) better is maybe... I think they will be better because I think Von Miller is just a huge addition. I like Tim Settle. I like Taquan Jones. I do think they're losing some people that were important though. Like Harrison Phillips was a really strong player. Jerry Hughes, even though he wasn't a premier pass rusher in the NFL at this point in his career was still a really solid one. I think maybe I'm trying to think of the right way of saying this. I think maybe there's more high end talent but it's not necessarily as deep of a group as what they had last year. Maybe that's where I ultimately land on the defensive line as a whole. And I think that they'll be more conducive to what they want. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think part of this for me is star Latula was just such a disappointment last year from his availability to really his play sometimes on the field, right. Overall, I think they'll be able to get more out of these guys and what they're trying to do and trying to accomplish with the group as a whole, which of course impacts the linebackers behind them. And that's a group that we are going to be talking about very soon on. It's always game day in Buffalo. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, before we wrap up, Matt and I throw it out sometimes for you to ask us questions. You can find me on Twitter at Sal Sports. You can find him at Matt underscore Bove. Okay, here are a couple, Matt, that came our way. Actually, someone asked us a question uh, about St. John Fisher. We actually covered some of that in training camp, and we'll get more into that as we uh, go on. But here's one for you. I like this. Mark David at F Reich Comeback, who's always asking us some questions. We appreciate that, Mark. He says, social media is a huge part of your positions. Both of you seem to, be, seem to have an upbeat and positive personality. Thank you, Mark. How do you handle some of the occasional negativity and toxicity that a sports journalist often endures online? Does it ever bring you down, Matthew? Yes, it does. I wish I had thicker skin, but I read the comments probably more than I should. And sometimes people will criticize me for something or call me out for something. And I probably take it to heart more than I wish that I did. But I also do appreciate the feedback at times. Sometimes it's very cordial and I appreciate that kind of interaction. I appreciate the good ones. I appreciate the just curiosity ones where it's like, hey, why did you say this when you could have maybe said this? Or why do you feel this way? when this is a counterpoint and I'm always game for that. Sometimes people are just mean and I take it a little bit harder than I probably need to. It's a weird balancing act. Like social media is a tool that we need to utilize professionally. And I also enjoy social media. I enjoy the interaction with people. I enjoy having fun on social media, but it's not all good. Sometimes people can kind of get nasty, Sal. Yeah, I agree. And I echo a lot of what you just said. Like, I'm the same way. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're Italian. I don't know. Is that a trait that we have that, you know, we take things a little bit too personal? You talking to me? You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's it. But um, I've had to, I've really had to kind of morph and, and, and mature in this manner in my own way. I will say that. And I used to take it a lot harsher than I do now. It still bothers me if I see that. You Nobody wants to be told you suck or whatever. But a lot of times I've realized people just want a reaction. They just want the attention. So I've kind of, really allowed that negativity and toxicity to not affect me as much, but it still can because I'm a human being and you try to do your best. You try to give everybody, you know, the right information. And sometimes maybe something happens, you're wrong or you, you know, opinions are opinions. They, they can be taken all different ways and people can disagree with you. But yeah, I mean, we're all human. We don't want to be told all that kind of stuff. And I think that at the end of the day, when I see some things that really bother me, it's all a choice, right? You can choose to respond and give maybe that person what they want, or you can choose to kind of ignore it, which I do a lot more these days. Sometimes I'll actually write a tweet back and hit save in drafts. So I don't tweet it out, but I feel like I wrote and I'll just leave it there. And then after a while, I'm like, why would I do that? I don't want to send it out. I don't want to do that. Um, 
So I think I'm better at it these days, but I've had to learn, Matt. I've really had to kind of grow up, I think, in a lot of ways through this. Sometimes I stir the pot more than I should. Um, and I think that's just maybe something that has come with, I don't want to say come with age, but sometimes my way of dealing with it almost internally is by making sure that I acknowledge that they said it. And then usually other people will be like, Hey man, like, why would you say that? That's really, really mean. So it's a weird balance of like, say, I probably see 10 or 15 tweets every single day that I just wish I could respond to that. I can't. And it's like a weird balance of like sometimes, and it also depends on the person too. Like if somebody that I know is coming at me for something. Usually I will go back. If somebody that I don't know and doesn't follow me goes at me, then I'm like, nah, it's really not worth my time. Like, I don't even know who these people are. That's right. If it's somebody who constantly comes at me, then I will stir the pot too. Because I'm like, yeah. you're, you're almost looking for attention and I'm going to give it to you. And you know what? I think you're, you're like me. You can also just kill them with kindness and say something funny back to kind of shed light on them being an idiot or a jerk or whatever. But you're trying to make fun and be like, hey, I'm going to let it roll off my back. And then some people say, why do you respond to that person? Some go, oh, I love how you responded to that person. So, you know, it, it, everybody kind of views it differently. I will also say this. Look, I mean, you know, we're both, we're both on social media a lot. It's part of our job. And look, I, I have 126,000 Twitter followers, and I don't say that to brag, but I'll tell you, I've also learned with that comes a responsibility. Like, there's a big responsibility on both of our parts to to do things right and to put things out there, to represent the people we represent, Matt. You know, you're representing WKBW and your company, and you're representing all the people you work with, and you, you don't want to be in a position to make them look bad, and I think about that with myself sometimes. I, this is... So Joe Biscalia was my former boss at Channel 7 and, you know, used to work at WGR with you a long time ago, Sam. And he told me something about Twitter once, and it's always kind of just stuck in the back of my head. And it was like, if you have to think about if it's worth tweeting it, you probably shouldn't do it. So sometimes it's almost like good cop or like a little angel and the little devil on your shoulder where you like got one guy saying like, oh, do it, do it. It would be funny. And you got the little angel being like, just ignore it, just ignore it. So that's always when I'm sitting there and like somebody says something really vile or something really mean to me. I want to put them on blast so bad, but I know if it crosses the line, it's not just a bad look for me, but it's also a bad look for my station. And I don't want that because at the end of the day, social media is a tool that's more important to me for work reasons and for this kind of stuff than it is for just like pure enjoyment. Matt, you and I could do an hour on this, right? Or two hours or whatever. I will ask you though, do you, what's your block list look like? Is it big? Your mute list of people? Don't put any, I don't block anybody. I really don't block anyone unless they get super personal or it's a fake account. And I don't want to see like some news coming from like a fake Adam Schefter. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to get tricked. Um, if somebody gets super personal family, super insulting, I might do it. I agree with you. I actually went unblocked. I had about 150 people blocked. I unblocked like a hundred of them about a year and a half, two years ago. I don't want to give somebody the vindication of getting blocked by me because then I don't almost feel like they think that they won, but mute is a completely different <laughs> ball game. I've got so many people muted and I've even got people who I follow muted, but it's just like, I know that me too. You know that I, follow you. I want to acknowledge that I'm following you, but I also just don't want to see what you're posting. So I'm just going to kind of mute you and just put you in the corner there. So my okay. mute list long, my block list is maybe just a couple people. I'm the same way. And then the same people tweet you like all this 
crazy stuff. And then you, you kind of ignore them. And I want them to know, like, I'm not giving them a satisfaction. And I might, every once in a while, I might see someone I've muted in something and I'll actually respond and say, you've been tweeting me like a hundred times over this month about it. And do you not know that you're screaming into a black hole because I do not even read it. I don't even see what you're tweeting at me, which is kind of funny. And to wrap up this part of it, and thanks again for the, for the tweet on this, just to put a positive spin on this conversation, if you will, I think Matt, you're like me. We're just positive people. Like I try to surround myself with positive people every day in life. I try to be positive, you know, bad things happen. Negative things happen. Of course, right. We all have lives and, um, things that happen in our lives, but I generally do live my life in a positive way. And I try to be like that. The thing that I always try and go back to is like most of the time people are tweeting at me, whether it's good or bad is about sports. And for Mm -hmm. us, we're fortunate enough that sports are what we get to do for a living to support our families and to live the lives that we want to live. And for so many people, it's a distraction. It's a hobby. It's what they use to get away from all of the other stuff. So at the end of the day, I always try and remember that Like for so many people, this is their distraction. Just try and be positive try and be uplifting, try and be nice because you don't know what that other person is going through. You don't know what that other person is dealing with. Maybe they're just using this place as a platform to try and get away from all of the other stuff that's going on in their lives. So I I tend to agree with you. I sometimes have to force myself into positivity a little bit more than maybe I inherently am. But I think that that's a good thing too, because it is always better to be way more positive than to just be like, you know, Eeyore and just be like the (laughs) Debbie Downer of the group. Agreed. All right. So thanks for that, Mark. And let's wrap it up with this one. We actually have touched on this in the past, but might as well just bring it up from Cossum627. What are your favorite away team cities to travel to for food and which are the worst? Ooh. It's funny, be- it's funny because on my drive to the station today, I saw that tweet and I started to think about it because di- we didn't even discuss that we were going to talk about these specific questions, right. but we both knew that we're like, ooh, a food question came in. I guess we're going to have to make sure that we talk about that one. So I was doing some brainstorming. I know we've talked about this in the past. I do really love Nashville. Mm-hmm. I think that there are some awesome restaurants to go to in Nashville and the Bills have been there a lot these last couple of years. Some of the places that stand out there's this unbelievable breakfast brunch place called Biscuit Love. And there's a couple different locations of them just out of this world. And then for hot chicken, I know there's a couple different ones that people go to, but the two most popular are Hattie B's and Prince's and they're just dynamite. So good. That's one of my favorite meals that I've ever had on the road. And it was at like 11 o'clock at night on a Friday, standing in a line outside waiting to just get this really spicy hot chicken on a piece of white wonder bread with a pickle on the top. And mm. I was just like, man, this is living. <laughs> I love it. Um, so look, Kansas city barbecue. We've touched on that. Of course. Mm-hmm. I think we both love that a lot. And look, the big cities, New York, I'll go into Manhattan and go to a nice restaurant with a couple friends. And there's always some great restaurants at the North end of Boston, some great Italian restaurants you'll get mm-hmm. there as well. How about Indianapolis? The combine. Yeah. It's a good steakhouses call. they have. Yeah. He has some good food, man. Like going out there, right? So I, I think you can choose a lot of these. I don't know. Do you, do you have a worst necessarily? I'm not sure if there's a worst. You do. Okay, let's go. I, I, I do. And this is no disrespect to the great people of Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> there are things I'm sure to like about your city. But I remember I checked into my hotel and I went up to the woman working at the counter. And there was like six or seven people going out to dinner. And I just went up to her and I was like, hey... I want to go out to dinner tonight. What's like a good local restaurant you would suggest for seafood? And she looked at me like, 
I wow. had 10 heads and she was like, uh, we ended up going to a chain restaurant that night just because we didn't know what else to do. I will say I had a really good brunch in Jacksonville. It was right by the water. It was a really cool spot. So that was like the one redeeming part of it. But the dinner was just so blah. And I know that like we're tourists, there's probably a hundred local spots that would have knocked my stocks off. But I did talk to a lot of other people like who had experienced things that were similar and was like, okay, that, that's probably my worst. Wow. Yeah. That's, I, I understand that. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about this a little bit because I'll just, I'll eat whatever. Like I'm not a real, like, I, I shouldn't say this anymore. I used to not be as much into seafood. I do like seafood now. Like Seattle had, you know, good seafood when we were there Ooh. years ago, right? That was really good. But I'm more of a seafood person now, for sure. So we have a lot of different, you know, places to try. Like this year, going out to LA, I don't remember. I guess we were in LA a few years ago. Like I'm sure there are good restaurants, but it's trendy, right? LA is more of a trendy place for for dinners, not like a a native type of food. Yeah, and that was one of the things too. So I'm going to shout out somebody I used to work with. Her name was Ashley Rowe. And yeah, Ashley. She came, with, she came with us to Houston for the playoff game back oh, in 2019. And this is just a result of us being a tour, you know, tourists and like not knowing what to do. So the Bills just lose this heartbreaking game. We're all running around trying to do our jobs. And there was like five people from Channel 7 at the game. And I remember I looked at Ashley and I was like, hey, pick out a restaurant that we'll go to. We'll probably be able to leave here in like two and a half, three hours or something. And she picked out this restaurant that looked like it was the trendiest restaurant in the world but i walked in and i got this plate this like three inch plate with like this little piece of pasta on it and i was like what in the heck are we eating like we just went to this super trendy fancy restaurant and i was like what is this so after we <laughs> left i stopped at whataburger and i got food to go and everybody was like we just ate dinner and i was like yeah no that doesn't count for dinner that was just oh a little pre, that was just a little pre-dinner snack but sometimes in the bigger cities it's harder because it's harder to get around yes. the bigger cities yeah. depending on what your situation is so i don't know if like houston got a fair shake i think a couple times like my Miami hasn't gotten a fair shake because I'm just like, oh, I'll stay in Miami Gardens and I won't go off to South Beach and go to a really great restaurant down on the water just because it's convenient. So some places don't get a fair shake, but for sure, for me, the two that definitely stood out were Kansas City and Nashville. Chicago pizza is pretty good. When you go to Chicago, you can get a pizza. Yeah, yeah. yeah Chicago's good. good. And um, I'm glad you did not pull a Michael Scott when we asked this question. You know what? You're an office fan. You know what I mean, right? Oh, of course. My favorite New York pizza spot. Sabaro. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. All right, man. Well, great, uh, great talking with you again, Matt. And, um, you know, we'll do it again, obviously. And everybody can listen as they download and subscribe Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, Odyssey app. I mean, I'm not missing anything, right? Because there's a lot of different ways that people can go about this. And Matt, I know I speak for you when I say we want to thank everybody, all the, our new listeners and listeners that came aboard. Um, you know, we see some of the download numbers coming in and, and we're really, really thankful for them. Yeah, I actually, so Sal, I did a meat raffle a couple of weeks ago. I was emceeing it for yes, a love and it. the and the it was for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Okay, and they introduced me as the co-host of the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast, and not like Channel Seven Sports Director. <laughs> so, like, I almost like had a double take. I was like, okay, like I, I appreciate the plug. I wasn't expecting that. Like, <laughs> I'm not used to hearing that yet. So, it seems like people are enjoying it. So, hopefully, they continue to enjoy it. And you know what, too, like. 
I'm really excited to continue to get closer to like when we can see the team back on the field again, because yeah. then we'll just have like this laundry list of things. Like we'll, we'll do one of these episodes and we'll have another hour and a half where we could have talked about other stuff. So I'm looking forward to that part, even more of it. And no doubt about that. And the next time we talk, we'll go over the Buffalo Bills linebackers. Still got to get to them and the secondary. For Matt, I'm Sal. And we want to thank, of course, our producer and editor, Jim Stagliano, always doing a great job. Till next time on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.